It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Forever Dog I used to think that this was my town What a stupid thing to think I hear you biting off a brain now I myself am on the brain I used to want to be a real man What's up 3Bs? What's up my diamond dogs? Sounds a little different. I don't have the microphone today. I'm sorry. Working on it. I have this job that I'm doing now that I can't tell you what it is, but it's taking up all my time. I say this every time. You understand. <laughs> um, today is a great episode. I got to talk with Leslie Goldberg of The Hollywood Reporter, who is a baseball fan and softball player. So that was real fun. We did our interview at the ATX Festival. Uh, which was a lot of fun. That festival is very is TV focused, um, and everyone was wonderful. There was an incident that happened there, and I'm going to mention it on the podcast because I feel like the only people that listen to this are people that like me. So, number one, if you don't like me and you're listening to this, what are you doing? <laughs> you should maybe do something else. But look, if this is how you want to spend your time, I'm not going to shame you. Um, I'm also just going to say, like, maybe you don't dislike me maybe you actually like me and that's why you're listening to it anyway this isn't about me actually it is about me but about something else so we were at the festival and i do want to say the festival was wonderful everyone was great it was a wonderful thing um but and you may have seen it on the internet and if you did see it on the internet do me this favor don't share it and let's not call it out in words that can be searched on a search engine because this is precisely what they want. So I was live trolled for the first time. Um, some like internet trolls who do her online harassing of people for fun. Like that's what their entertainment is. Like that's what they do as a job, basically. Um, they got off the internet and came to a thing I was doing. Um, and you know, it was wild because it felt very threatening because it was clearly somebody that wasn't there to participate it was clearly somebody there that wanted to interrupt you know what i mean so i never felt physically threatened or anything like that but you never know what's going to happen and what's funny is the person i won't even go it, it, it was somebody dressed up as a computer to sort of because the panel was about the binary and of course they wanted to come in and you know be rude and and not be respectful and just interrupt and do what do their own thing in a very like just weak way of doing it. They weren't even aggressive, which is preferable. But it was just funny to me that they weren't like 
very confident in what they were doing necessarily um, it, to, to sort of interrupt and then put us on the defensive and then say that we're, you know, hypocrites because we don't respect their identity as a computer and all this nonsense. So that's what they did. And, and eventually they were removed. And I mean, what I tried to do and what I would recommend is just covering up their sound so people can't hear the crappy things that they say because they did say some homophobic stuff again not with much like power in their voice or anything so it was kind of that was very interesting to me and i don't you know take that lightly but um again i also want to keep this as like our in-group conversation because i don't want to give them the news or the clicks that they're looking for you know i just kind of wanted to go away but i just wanted to talk to everybody about what you should do in these spaces because it transcends this kind of a thing like this is a blip in the radar i was not hurt nothing happened i'm not in the threat of going to jail or anything like that but i do think we need to be aware when we're in these spaces together um especially during pride month because like this is what they do they troll lgbtq people um, cause it's, you know, we're easy targets cause we're having a panel talking about something and they can come in with words. They don't have to do anything physical. Um, so just like, you know, we're having lots of conversations online about who's welcome at pride, who's not welcome at pride. And personally, I think, um, everyone is welcome at pride and I don't mean cops. Cops is not an identity, <laughs> but everyone is welcome. And if somebody starts to act a fool, it will be taken care of because we're there as a group of people, as a community of people. And I think that's something that's missing from the internet. It's very hard to um, protect each other and to sort of, you know, uh, circle up together um, as a community in a space because the Twitter and the internet does not have a defined space. So the harassment can continue because you can't just kick one person off of Twitter and have it be done. Like you can say like, hey, you got to go. Like, this isn't cool. We're not into this. And all these people behind me agree with me two very different situations, right? So the reason I bring this up is this is a baseball podcast, but you know, we go in public and we live in these spaces and horrific things are happening every day in our country. They've been happening. So it's not like Trump flipped a switch and all this stuff started happening, but it has been accelerated. So, you know, uh, previous presidents who were Democrats, Previous presidents who were Republicans set a lot of the groundwork for the acceleration that has happened since Trump has come into office. But his effect has been, I would say, you know, mentally and emotionally to destabilize our country as communities. And so what I'm asking for, based on this experience that I just had, a lot of people got their phones out and filmed it. Sometimes I think that can be good. Obviously, to record something that you might need to use in court is good. Just consider before you upload it what the the implications of uploading that video. Because I will say that these people found the video, it got traction, and then they were stoked because that's what they wanted to happen. They wanted somebody else to film it to put their commercial out there. So I think we just need to keep our eyes open and keep and protect each other. Um, this is, you know, I'm thinking about a story that came out over Twitter. Um, from, I think, Facebook. I, I followed the woman. I don't remember her name immediately, but um, she was on a bus, I think, in Nevada that was traveling over state lines, and the bus driver stopped and said that ICE was coming on board. Be prepared to show your papers. And she stood up and was like, this is bullshit. 
you do not have to do this. This is against your civil rights as a human being in this country. You don't have to do this. She like used her phone to Google Translate because she could tell that a woman who looked terrified next to her could not understand what she was saying. So she translated it to Spanish for her and showed her her phone and tried to speak it to her. And like she, a black woman, put her body on the line for this bus of people and she made such a stink that ICE got off the bus and did not uh, check anybody or take anybody off the bus. So I'm not comparing these two situations at all, but there are similarities in that it's people disrupting each other's lives and we need to be aware and protect each other as much as we can. I'm not, I'm not advocating violence at all. I'm advocating standing and taking up space, especially if you're a person um, like me who had a microphone, like me who has white skin in situations. Um, these are just things that we need to do to take care of each other. So anyway, I'm using a moment on my podcast to talk about this stuff because I think it's important. And I've had people do these situations, you know, stand up for me in other situations. And a lot of people in the audience stood up for us. So I appreciate them. Um, but just be aware and let's think about things before we put them on the internet and look into things before we go down all the roads. Cool. All right. Now let's talk about baseball. <laughs> I, uh, my team has been doing pretty well. And yesterday we lost, man, we just lost. Have you ever just played a sport and you, it's almost like you lost before you started? It's just one of those. I know my team can come back from it, but oh man, it was just, just happened, you know? But anyway, um, congrats to the other team that beat us. Uh, we did hit two almost home runs, which was nuts. Nice to see. Not me, but the other players. Um, so since I've got that interview, I'm going to be brief up top. We'll come back right after this ad from a lovely person reading the ad with some of the news around baseball. And maybe I'll even give you some fantasy insight because I've somehow been able to win. So we'll be back right after this. You know me. You know that I love Tomboy X. I am in love with this underwear. I wear it every day. It's the only underwear I wear because it fits me. It's my personal favorite. I love the micro modal fabric. It's so soft, so comfortable. It also dries very quickly. If you need to, I don't know, rinse out your underwear. We won't talk about that though. It's time to stop wearing underwear that doesn't make you feel confident. You know, underwear that's got more frills than function or underwear that your mom got to fem you up. Underwear that's made to fit you and how you see yourself. That's what you need. You need bikinis, briefs, boxer briefs, trunks, and boy shorts, soft bras, razorback bras, and everyday basic colors, fun seasonal prints, and brilliant colors, all from Tomboy X, and all options come in extra small to 4X. So regardless of where you fall on the size or gender spectrum, Tomboy X offers amazing underwear that anybody feels comfortable in. See what we did there? Anybody. Anybody? Anybody. Anybody. You see? So go to TomboyX.com slash baseball and check out their special bundles and pack pricing. And Three Swings listeners, that's you. Get an extra 15% off with code BASEBALL. Again, that's code BASEBALL for an extra 15% off. Ditch whatever you're wearing for a pair of Tomboy X underwear. Go to TomboyX.com slash baseball. Get comfortable. Again, that person reading the ads is just so good at their job. Uh, number one, I wanted to talk at length about bunting. And I think I'm going to leave that for the end because I wanted to give some sort of 
philosophical looks at the idea of bunting. So um, I want to start off with uh, Sunday news. The Astros completed their first ever four-game sweep of the Rangers with a walk-off balk in the bottom of the ninth inning, winning 8-7. to seven. The controversial thing is the balk wasn't even initially called until protested by Astros manager A.J. Hinch. Pitcher Keon Kila, I hope that I'm pronouncing his name correctly, apologize, apologies if I'm not, had already thrown the pitch to Evan Gaddis with two outs when A.J. Hinch came out of the dugout. Hinch argued that Kila hadn't declared that he would pitch out of the windup with runners at second and third. The umpires agreed that Kila hadn't made such a declaration, and they award George Springer home and the Astros the win. Replay showed Kila not pausing in his delivery. He did throw a quick pitch. And, I mean, it's just kind of baffling. Like, I understand you, the way you win is the way you gotta win, but, like, I mean... Come on. And uh, Rangers manager Jeff Bannister said no umpire called a balk. And he was ejected while arguing the call. My argument was I didn't know that that we could come out and get the umpires to convene to try to see what everybody came up with. It's upsetting in the sense that you can't argue against a balk. And Keela said, I didn't know exactly what the call was, but I've done it previously. I've used the quick pitch a lot. So when I came set, I felt I had come to a set stop and then made my pitch, but under the umpire's discretion, it wasn't enough time for me to hold the ball. So another question here from uh, bench coach Brett is, Bannister was ejected after the game was technically over. Can you be ejected from a game that has ended? And if so, what exactly are you being ejected from? I guess the post-game interview? That's a great question. Um... It's a weird, number one, it's a weird way to end a game. They've had two of those, I would say, with the Eric Hosmer dropping the fly ball. Um, I feel like the Astros are well on their way to making themselves disliked in this way. And no offense to Astros fans, personally. I'm just saying, like, you win the World Series and then you argue these kinds of calls and you're, like, a blistering offense. And I know they're in second place, which is, crazy we haven't talked about the fact or wild excuse me we haven't talked about the fact that the seattle mariners are in first place congrats mariners i'm pretty sure that i said watch out for the mariners and if i didn't i should have but um just interesting to me that my dog is scratching at the door so i apologize um just a weird way to go out and a weird way sometimes i'm like why don't you just play the game you have runners at first and third like you're probably gonna score you really got to fight this thing. I don't know. Personally, it seems this feels like my league kind of an argument because we don't have umpires. We ump ourselves, which causes a lot of problems. It's been pretty good so far. There was a big fight this Sunday about stuff where you kind of do need an umpire for a call because a uh, runner uh, ran maybe out of the base pass to home plate. Our catcher maybe tagged him, maybe didn't. And then there's nobody to make the call, and then you just have two teams of people screaming at each other, which is essentially what this is. So I wouldn't be surprised if the MLB implements some sort of a a rule change after this, if they even think it's valuable. Um, And so then there was an interesting article that I skimmed because I started reading it and then was like, "I, I actually have the answer to all of these things. Um, but we'll post a link in the podcast notes. Nick Elam's uh, baseball upgrades. He supposedly came up with this plan to change basketball to make it more exciting because in the, the last couple minutes, there's always a bunch of fouls and stuff. And it's like, that's the game? I don't understand why people want to change the game so much um, to fix the game. 
And, like, apparently he's a baseball person, so that's kind of weird to me. Um, he wants... He has uh, ten changes that he would implement or so. Uh, a, a dynamic strike zone that the size of the strike zone would increase throughout an at-bat. Don't like it. Move the pitching rubber to the true center of the diamond. I don't care about that. Three batter minimum for relief pitchers. I'm neutral. I kind of lean towards maybe doing that. It seems it would speed up the game, but I don't care about speeding up the game. So I don't really care. No more division winners. I'm not into that. The division and the region is very distinct and important if you are a fan of baseball. Allow the top playoff seeds to choose their opponent. No, thank you. Don't like that either. All-star game is old versus young, not AL versus NL. No, thanks. Also don't like that. Welcome to injuries. Uh, double header day. Monday after all-star game, every team plays a double header. Proceeds go to charity. I don't know how this makes baseball better or worse. They should just donate a lot more money to charity and women's baseball, which I'll get to in a moment. The MLB draft live at the all-star game. Nope, don't care. Get rid of slow motion replay for hands slipping off the bag. This should be judged in real time. I mean, I agree on that one. Encourage celebrations. I agree with that one. Incorporate PA announcers into the game more fully. Almost like a live play-by-play for fans in the stadium. No! (laughs) That's not going to get people into the seats. I feel like... Here is what my actual solution to a lack of fandom in baseball. More baseball. Less focus on Major League Baseball and more focus on regional baseball, minor league baseball, independent leagues, women's baseball, girls' baseball, inclusive leagues for baseball. Pony leagues, all kinds of baseball. That is how you get more people into the major leagues, butts and seats. Because there is a... It's a pyramid. And there's nothing at the bottom. <laughs> they've, they've created baseball and major league sports in general as such a monopoly and such a, a, a corporation and it has lost its work ethic. It has lost its connection to people who play it all the time. In, let's say, the 40s, baseball was huge. It, there was no TV. People listened to it on the radio and they attended games and they didn't have a lot of money. That's also something you need to change. The price of admission. It needs to be a lot less. It's too expensive. It's cost prohibitive. You, A family of four can't go to a baseball game for less than $100. For sure. I mean, and that's in the cheapest seats. 100 bucks. that's a lot of money. You want people coming to the game, they need to be able to afford it. They're already making money off of merchandising, all this stuff. It's a billions of dollar industry. If they want fans to come out to the game, to pay more attention to the game, you have to reinvest in the fans themselves, not the game. The game is the game. People love the game. They do not want a different game. If they wanted a different game, they'd go watch basketball, and that's what they do. So... If you want people to come to the game, have more people playing baseball. And it's not just on the people to play the sport. They have to have the opportunity. There is less and less opportunity in this country every day for people to play baseball. And I know this seems frivolous, but things like team sports are community building. Little League, kids playing together, girls and boys, kids of different races and ethnicities and backgrounds. Coming together, playing a sport is how we get along in this country. It is how we can get along and how we can build a community and make our lives better. 
I really do honestly think the more people playing baseball, the more people are watching baseball. You go see baseball. If if you live somewhere that you can't make it to a major league baseball game and you don't see any baseball, you're not watching baseball. So the more people watching it, the more people are watching it. So again, I don't think any of these rules need to be implemented, especially the strike zone. That would be infuriating. It would be absolutely infuriating. It removes the entire game of pitching and batting. It removes it completely. It it tarnishes it. It makes it a flat object. And I don't it's basically the same as having robot umps, which I don't like either. Um but truly, I I this is my approach. The more people playing baseball with access to baseball, the more people will like baseball. So that's what you do. You reinvest in the the sort of uh you don't trickle it down anymore. You actually take the money and you put it in to community building in other regions all over the place for community baseball. Gender integrated, gender segregated. You need both. Both things need to exist. But one of the great things is we could all do this right now. We could all support women's, girls, non-binary, trans kids baseball right now. Friend of the show, Justine Siegel. If you haven't listened to that episode, please go back and listen to it. Also going to have her back on. Uh, her organization, Baseball for All, is working so hard right now. They've gone down to Vieira, Florida for the, the Breakthrough Series, which was amazing. Go follow them on Twitter and Instagram right now to go see all the awesome baseball that happened down there. And a couple of their players made it to the U.S. Women's National Team 40-person roster uh, who will be playing in Florida during the World Cup. So please go check that out right now. We can support them, um, give them the community and support that they need to get more attention. Because, um, I mean, personally, I think the MLB should be supporting it right now. So that's something we can do right now. Okay, so I want to talk about bunting because I watched a Cleveland-Detroit game that was in extra innings. I believe they went to the 11th. Cleveland got the benefit of Two leadoff walks in extra innings. A tie game 2-2. Not at a two. They get two batters on. Lonnie Chisenhall comes up to bat. They want him to bunt. The conversation that they have about bunting was perfect. Because these guys, nobody practices bunting anymore. No one is good at bunting. Because supposedly there is no glory in bunting right? Like, I mean, ultimately, who wants to bunt? Nobody. Everybody wants to hit a home run. They want to crack a single up the middle, advance the runners, get a double, whatever, off the wall, be the hero. But there is a lot of shame in not being able to bunt properly. And that's exactly what happened uh, to Lonnie Chisenhall. He popped out on a bunt. And then the next Yonder Alonso flew out and then I think we got struck out or something like that. So I just think there is a lot to the idea of bunting. That uh, Somebody asked me recently, other than get on base, what are your other baseball philosophies? And I think that bunting is my other philosophy. Yeah, it doesn't look great. It doesn't look cool. It doesn't, you know, uh, get, you know, you don't get phone numbers from laying down a perfect bunt. But laying down a perfect bunt at the right time you should rechange your focus to believe that that is glory. You know what I mean? Like sometimes 
You got to do the thing you don't want to do that doesn't look cool, that looks dumb, that you don't want to do, and somebody told you to do it, but you're going to get up there and you're going to do your damn job and you're going to put down a perfect bunt because you practiced. Because you knew there was going to be a time that you were going to be asked to have to lay down a perfect bunt. So you were prepared. It's all about being prepared and knowing what you're going to have to do, knowing your job, knowing your role, embrace the suck, do the shit you don't want to do, and be rewarded for it by winning the game for your team and your city, for changing things in your life. There you go. That's my thoughts on that. And since there's only, uh, since we've got an interview this week, I'm just going to do uh, two uh, Twitter questions, two rosin bags today. Uh, one from Angela. Do you feel like playing slow pitch and baseball at the same time messes up your swing for the other? Angela, great question. It definitely did. And I realized that once I was in the batter's box. And I got this new job, so I'm unable to play uh, slow pitch anymore because I, I, I don't get out in time. And a little bit of it was because I was worried about my swing. I mean, it was definitely maybe helping me in the field, but also I think it was kind of messing me up in the field too because I've made more errors this season than I've ever made. And I practiced all winter. So I feel like it definitely messed with all my timing and just my brain a little bit. So I'm trying to work that out, hopefully getting some practice in this week. But it definitely messes with your swing. My eyes are in the wrong place. Um, so yes, it definitely messes with your swing. Keep that in mind. Uh, and Michelle D asks, in a league of their own, I think I've heard of this movie. Do you think Dottie intentionally dropped the ball so Kit could have her moment of glory? 100%. That has always been my read on the situation because as a kid I was like, I can't believe she did that. Why would she do that? And then as an adult I'm like, wow, I can't believe she did that. What a hero. But she knew she wasn't going to stay. She knew she wasn't going to keep playing. And she just knew in that moment it was going to mean more to her sister. You know, and like sometimes you got to sacrifice yourself for the greater good. Sometimes you got to lay down that sacrifice bunt. Basically, Dottie sacrificed bunted inversely, if that makes any sense. <laughs> so that's my, uh, those are my rosin bags for this week. Um, and uh, fantasy baseball, I've somehow been able to eke out some wins. Let's see if I do it again. I've, I've taken the approach of I have like a core of three players that I'm not going to drop no matter what. And then I switch out just everybody else based on matchups. There was a risk that I really wanted to take this week, which was um, the relief pitcher Yarborough for the uh, Tampa Bay Rays was projected at 30 points because I believe he's starting this Monday that just passed at the Blue Jays and then also in the pen for the rest of the week. And I thought about taking that gamble, but I was like, what if it blows up in my face and then I really lose? Because um, I really got to win this one this week because the matchup I'm with is a, a friend that I like a lot who doesn't change his lineup at all uh, and has multiple DL People just like slotted, which, hey, whatever, do whatever you want to do. But I definitely can't lose this one for that reason. But if you're, if you have a fantasy team that's not doing so well, set the couple of players, the three players that perform consistently. And if you can't find anybody that, if you don't have anybody that's consistent, you got to find those consistent players. Um, 
I would buy into Max Muncy. I picked him up last week, and he netted me something like 38 points. Ross Stripling is also a great pickup. If he's free in your, if those guys are free in your league, pick them up right now. Hang on to them. They are going to net you points. Max Muncy is going to be playing regularly. He will not platoon. They're thinking about putting him at second, and after Logan Forsyth had an error over the weekend, he's definitely going to get some playing time there. So not only will he be not platooning, he's going to have second base, third base, first base, and outfield eligibility, which is just somebody you need to have for the season. Um, that's definitely an investment that you need for the DL, all that stuff. Uh, I also think um, pitching-wise, don't be afraid and don't think that just because someone was doing well that they're going to continue to do well. Look at projections. you got to read this stuff. I spend a lot of time reading fan- about fantasy baseball. A lot of people are like, I don't know how, I, how you keep up. That's actually how I keep up with baseball. When I'm not able to watch baseball a lot, fantasy baseball is the way that I watch baseball. So... That's my advice for the week. Um, Take some risks, but have your core. And uh, the thing about not having any aces is those guys are going to be benched late in the season because the playoffs will be coming. And then all of us who didn't draft any aces are going to have the aces that aren't benched. So keep that in mind. And we'll be back right after this with a wonderful interview with Leslie Goldberg from The Hollywood Reporter. Look, the truth is most of us are brushing our teeth very wrong, not for long enough, and we forget to change our brush on time. That's because most brands focus on selling flashy gimmicks rather than better brushing, but not Quip. So what makes Quip so different? For starters, Quip is an electric toothbrush that's a fraction of the cost of bulkier brushes, while still packing just the right amount of vibrations to help clean your teeth. Quip's built-in timer helps you clean for the dentist-recommended two minutes. I know it feels like a long time, but my goodness with guiding pulses that remind you when to switch sides. Next, Quip's subscription plans are for your health, not just convenience. They deliver new brush heads on a dentist-recommended schedule every three months for just $5, including free shipping worldwide. That's anywhere. Quip also comes with a mount that suctions right to your mirror and unsticks to use as a cover for hygienic travel wherever you take your teeth. And finally, everyone loves Quip, including myself. They were on Oprah's O-List, named one of Time's Best Inventions, and is the first subscription electric toothbrush accepted by the American Dental Association. It would make Kevin McAllister proud. Plus, they're backed by a network of over 20,000 dentists and hygienists, and hundreds of thousands of happy brushers use Quip every day. Quip starts at just $25, and if you go to getquip.com baseball right now, You'll get your first refill pack free with a Quip electric toothbrush. That's your first refill pack free at getquip.com slash baseball. Spelled G-E-T-Q-I-P dot com slash baseball. Oh my goodness, three Bs. As you can tell by the sound that's happening behind my voice, I am not in my house, nor am I... At the Forever Dog office, I am in Austin, Texas at the ATX uh, Television Festival, which has been wonderful. And because it's so wonderful, I have a wonderful guest with me today, Leslie Goldberg. Thanks so much for being on the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, obviously you're a baseball fan. We'll get to that in a second. But I thought maybe uh, you could just let everybody know like what you're working on, what you're into, what you do, all those things. Um, well, my job, I work at uh, The Hollywood Reporter. I'm yes. the West Coast television editor. 
Um, I cover TV news and development, and we're here in Austin at the amazing, incredible ATX <laughs> Festival. Yeah. Um, covering a bunch of panels. I'm moderating one this weekend about why TV matters. It looks at kind of uh, the inclusion push. Um, well, not push, but the, the need for, for <laughs> yeah. inclusion and to see yourself reflected in programming and totally. to see versions of yourself on, on in programming and mm -hmm. why it's happening, why it's not happening in the executive suites and right. direction and all that stuff. And covering a bunch of panels. We just, uh, my colleague, Bryn Sandberg, just moderated one uh, about emerging studios, which is super inside baseball. See what I did there? Oh, yeah. I love it. Super inside baseball. Love it. Um, but yeah, this is if you're a super TV nerd and into development and that kind of stuff mm -hmm. and how the sausage gets made. This is the place to be. It is. This is a tremendous place to be. This has been wonderful to be here. How many times have you been to this festival? Uh, this is the seventh year I think I've come four times. Wow. Um, that's, it is my favorite event on the TV calendar. That's amazing. That's awesome. So everybody should head down for this. And Austin is such an amazing place. And you live in Los or Hollywood, if you will. <laughs> um, what do you think of Austin? Um, I love it. It's, yeah. I mean, you can just walk everywhere. There's yeah. so much to see. Everyone's really kind. It's I mean, one of those tricky places where I'm like, I love Texas. And then I'm like, wait a minute. I'm in Austin. Hang on a second. Yeah. No offense to the rest of Texas, because I also <laughs> know there's other parts of Texas that have great people in them because it's evidence in the, the whole country. But you also understand what I'm saying. Austin is like the little blue dot in a in a sea of red. So, it, but it's such a great place and a wonderful. Yeah, I don't know landscape. Everything's great. Yeah, and the festival itself too creates such an incredible community. You know, Emily yeah. and Caitlin, the founders of ATX, have have built something that's really really special because they built it with their hearts first and mm -hmm. not not a business thing. It's not. A, this is not a mark. This is not Comic Con. This is actually right. the polar opposite of that. There's. This is not about marketing or mm -hmm. cutting through the clutter and getting people to watch Castle Rock. This is about. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, there's a little bit of that. Sure, that, but, some, some but at, at the same time, it's you know there is a burgeoning community here of uh, of the Hollywood of the industry of the TV community, and yeah. and you know I look every time I moderate a panel at ATX, my reserved questions that I don't get to, I kick it open to the audience. The audience asks yes, my back questions. Yeah. That's how savvy this crowd is. Yeah, that's awesome. And I also noticed there aren't like a ton of like after parties because it feels like the festival during the day is the party. Yeah, which is usually, like an awesome. It's just an awesome festival to go to where it's like, oh, no, we're actually having fun and like elbow rubbing and networking during the day when we're talking about this stuff, yeah. as opposed to always like just people getting drunk and like screaming at each other over business cards. Yeah. Often that, you know, the end of every panel, there's a little bit of a, a small group that sticks around by the front of the stage, talking to the people who are on the panel, yeah. um, exchanging information and just following up on th interesting things that they said or topics they couldn't get to. Um, and then what's nice is that the night, you know, the, the after party stuff, I, I say after party, but it's really like one event every night <laughs> right, because yeah. they want everyone Everybody to come in there. there and hang out and yeah. continue those conversations yeah. and get to know. I mean, that's how this festival became the big hit that it is, is that year one, people went and like, oh my God, this is so fun. And then they tell, it's mm -hmm. like a game of telephone. They told three people yeah. and those, those three people told 10 more and those 10 told a hundred more. And, yeah. you know, now I'm here again and... You know, you now you're on this podcast. I was here. I was, you know, the last time I came here, I, I took vacation from work to come. Oh, because that's amazing. That's how much I love it. Here. Yeah, that's so great. And did you know that I briefly worked at the Hollywood Reporter? Did you really? Yeah. I didn't know that. I filled in for a friend who was like, she was going on tour, and they said you can take this time off if you can find somebody that can do your job while you're gone, and that was me. So it was like digital imaging, like oh. making, uh, you know, like mock-ups and stuff for like when the, the full page takeovers happen. Ah, uh, yes. Well, I was I, making those. I apologize uh, for <laughs> the horrible experience you probably had doing that boring well, job. We'll talk about that at another time. <laughs> Very diplomatic. <laughs> it was, I, I do remember Gone Girl was about to come out. So I was making a lot of 
Gone Girl Intruders, I believe is what they're called. So that was fun and interesting. And by fun and interesting, you mean it, it was a good paycheck. It was a, hey, I went to work. <laughs> I will say that. So let's go to work now. You are a baseball fan. What, um, I usually like to ask people like what their first experience or memory of baseball is. Um, well, I was a bored only child as a kid. Ah, me too. And anyway, <laughs> um, look, my, my uh, grandfather on my mom's side, um, I spent a lot of time over there because both my parents worked. And, and you know, my, both my grandparents just loved watching the Dodgers and the yeah. Angels. And I always felt this is like a super silly story, but I was like, se- you know, seven or eight years old. And, you know, my grandfather had a pool, and every time the pool guy came, they had this, like, amazing baseball talk. And I'm like, I want to hang out with the guys. Yeah. I want to be able, you know, so I started watching. And, you know, when you, the first time you hear Vince Scully's voice is, you know, oh, you yeah. kind of fall in love. It's, so. Yeah, there's no going back after that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So did so. you grow up listening to the games more so than watching the games? Um, I listened as much as I could. I watched every time I was at my grandparents' house, you yeah. know, Dodgers and Angels, and watching my grandmother's head fall back because she fell asleep <laughs> listening sure. to the games, which Absolutely. happens. and. You know, so yeah, I, I couldn't get enough. Um, my first game, my mother actually, uh, mom, if you're listening to, to this, thank you very much for doing this, um, <laughs> clipped the UPC codes off the back of the mother's cookies bags oh, and wow. sent them in. And she was like, I was eating mother's cookies all summer, but <laughs> right. that's how I went to my first uh, Dodger game. It was Dodgers Cubs wow. at Dodger Stadium. That's we sat in awesome. The, the nosebleed seats were so, were so far away that I couldn't even see them from my nosebleed seats. Wow. So, wow. But it was free and it was a baseball game. Yeah. So, to be there. That's amazing. I once uh, got a Mountain Dew pager by saving the UPC codes off of cases of Mountain Dew. That so, sounds like a bigger commitment. I than relate. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was a huge commitment and I drank a lot of Mountain Dew and my room was very clean that summer because I was yeah, like shakes, right? high on sugar and go. caffeine all the time. But I do remember like cleaning my room, drinking this Mountain Dew, also warm because that's like what I grew up with. Uh, my grandmother would not let me refrigerate drinks. She was like, that's what the ice is for. And I'm, no. But uh, anyway, I just remember Carlos Baerga playing while I was, like, cleaning up my room. So who was, like, your first, who was your first favorite baseball player? This is super embarrassing. It can't be. It can be. <laughs> I'm going to bet you right now. <laughs> okay, great. Jose Canseco. Yes. I told you, embarrassing. It's such a great one, though. Yeah, 1986 was the year I really, really yeah. got into uh, watching baseball, and it was Canseco and Wally Joyner. Yeah. Wally World, remember? The Angels. Yeah. And, uh, and I was just, there was something about watching Canseco, man. That guy would, would take, like, this monster cut, oh, yeah. swing and miss, and get the same response as if he hit the ball 500 I feet. I know. It, what a time that was. Yeah, and I mean the mullet, too. Oh, yeah. I, it's pretty much what I've got now. I'm not a Jose Canseco mullet. Yours is considerably more stylish. Thank you, Leslie. Thank you. Um, So you mentioned before we were recording that you're on a softball team now. Did you play baseball at all growing up? Um, I started playing um, 1987. Mm -hmm. I played one year of baseball on the Giants, which was just brutally painful. That must have been really difficult for you. Um, I was the only girl in the league. Uh Uh, Our coach, his name was Ellis. No idea what his last name. I can't remember his last name. But... uh, he stuck me in right field for the last two innings of every game and told me to lean into the pitch. And it was one year of just garbage junk like that. Didn't learn anything. Didn't, you know. Yeah. Um, and I did that for one season and then said, you know, this sucks. And yeah, that does suck. Switched to softball and been in love with it ever since. Yeah. So it took a little time off to get married, but other than that. <laughs> sure, yeah. Came back this year for it. So did you play, like, high school, college, all that stuff? Um, I played through high school. Um, I worked in college instead. I, yeah. I was trying to do the newspaper and right. work full time and still go to school. Um, but, yeah, I started, uh, and then I just went back after I graduated from college and found mm-hmm. an adult rec league and 
Um, I started the season uh, with a boyfriend, and I ended the season with a girlfriend. <laughs> Perfect. That sounds like softball. A little math there, yeah. <laughs> so what position do you play? Or did you play? Do you play now? Uh, you know, whatever. Growing up, I was always a catcher. I yeah. loved, like, I loved being able to see the field and oh, yeah. position players and watch the batter where they're, you know, where they're trying to pull the ball or whatnot. And um, now I'm kind of, my knees are kind of shot and sure. I, I'm pretty slow. Yeah. Uh, so first base and catcher. Nice. And catcher and slow pitch is very different than Oh, yeah. Catcher it's, yeah, it's very different. I tried to play slow pitch this year. Uh, I never really played slow pitch before. Like, I played fast pitch. And uh, I was like, no, this sounds great. You know, I'll get, like, some more exercise in or whatever. And then I was like, I'm not, I'm never going to get a hit again in baseball. <laughs> but I keep trying to hit it this way. Yeah. But then I also got a job, and so I couldn't play softball anymore. Yeah, but it, the ump immediately had it out for me. Like, I mean, I, like, you're talking about being the only one. I'm always that one that the ump's like, you're doing illegal shit. It was like. If you do it again, you're out of the thing. I was like, and when did you tell me the first time? Remind <laughs> me again when you told me the first time I was doing something wrong. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the transition from baseball to, to, to slow pitches. Uh, I mean, it's like the cartoon character that goes up swinging. And oh just, yeah. You swing a hundred times, and the ball is just still floating it's just back floating, to the plate. Exactly, just back and forth and back and forth. Yeah. yeah. No, it's pretty wild, but also fun. I mean, I had a lot of fun. Yeah. And I, I remember the first time we went out, I was like, wait, why are there so many people in the outfield? And then I was like, oh, right. Yes. Four outfielders. It's slightly yeah. different. Yeah, yeah. Slightly different rules. Yeah. I play um, in Glendale. It's part of a league called GLASA, the Greater oh, Los awesome. Angeles Softball Association, yes. which is part of a larger group uh, called Asana, which I have no idea what it stands sure. for. But they have uh, team leagues in every city. And then every year there's a uh, softball World Series where teams in divisions A through D. Yeah. Um, we went, my team, the Rebels. The Rebels. Awesome. Um, we last went 2009, played uh -huh. in Seattle, finished third in our division. The wow. Division. Congrats. So that's pretty dope. That's awesome. Yeah, a lot of fun. Yeah. And I'm glad we're talking about softball on here because I sometimes uh, am known to like rail on softball, but I'm not ever railing on softball itself. It's more so the mechanism that we discussed up top, which is like you shouldn't, have to play a sport you didn't, don't necessarily want to play you oh, know definitely. like it should there should be options for all people to play the sport that they want to play you know yeah. and like i really think i don't know i think it's possible in our lifetimes that there will be like a girls women's uh non-binary uh inclusive uh baseball league that actually happens because I I, yeah i think so often we focus about like a woman in the major leagues or a woman in the nba or a woman in this and I feel like perhaps it's a little bit of my age, perhaps it's some of my experience, but I'm realizing what you actually need is a league for everyone to get to do it as opposed to trying to send one to cross over. Yeah. Because, uh, you remember uh, in the 90s, Colorado Silver Bullets? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and whatever happened to those guys? I mean, yeah. They lasted, what, two seasons, maybe? Right. Yeah, I mean, Isla Borders, I believe, was part of that team, mm -hmm. and, I mean, she's a firefighter now. So, yeah. like... The, the the infrastructure just isn't there. And if you actually build the infrastructure, and that's actually the what was the demise of the All-American Girls Professional League, which we were talking about, uh, the Rockford 75th before we started recording, uh, was because they didn't, uh, they didn't, like, invest in getting new talent and retaining talent and, like, having spring training and stuff like that. You can't just randomly grab people and expect them to be able to keep up this, you know, physical career without investing in it mm -hmm. and it feels the same to me about like kind of all women's sports and i feel like the wnba's work on this is is like paying off in a way this season in particular that i feel like women's sports could take full advantage of just like moving forward yeah i mean i don't i i, I won't pretend to follow the wnba <laughs> sure. i'm 
you know, following t- the TV industry and the Dodgers is right. probably about yeah, where yeah. I draw the line these days. But uh, I mean, look, you, you know, you have to build a community. Yep. Right. And look at what it's just, you know, as we said at ATX, look at the community that they built here. You know, it started on Kickstarter. Absolutely. You know, yeah. And they funded it. I think the first festival had you know 300, 400 people, mm-hmm. and now it's sold out for the third year in a row with like 4,000, 5,000 yeah. people. Right. You know, and it's only growing and. You know, you you know, you have to build the infrastructure to use your points. So. Absolutely, yeah. You got if the and the community's there, you got to give them a thing to buy back into and, and continue to go to. There was a comedian um, who's a guest on this show, uh, Paul F. Tompkins, who actually did this with comedy. He would go on Facebook and say, "If 300 of you promise to come to this show, I will come to this town," and then that's like how he. And I feel like if we take that approach to like women's sports to live anything mm-hmm. i think it could actually help a lot of stuff yeah we did you know there was a couple of years ago in our uh, in our softball league you know mm-hmm. we had um a couple uh, players on my team that decided you know what we want to play baseball too we don't want to just have this yeah. softball so they brought in a mound and opened it up for the whole league and like let's see if we can get enough players to at least have a baseball game yeah you know after all the softball stuff's over right and, we did it. Super fun. <laughs> That's um, awesome. Crazy adjustment. Yeah, sure. But it was a total blast. Right. Yeah. You know? And sadly, it was a one-off thing. But it's like you know, where like the league didn't even support it. The, you know, they let yeah. us use the you field after it we on were done. You know, yeah. and it's like, I feel like that's kind of like what uh, culturally, uh, movements-wise, like we're just realizing like, oh, we have to do this stuff on our own. <laughs> in in so many places, not just Hollywood, but like government, like all this stuff. Like, mm-hmm. oh, oh, we gotta we gotta do this. Actually. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, you know, look, we, you know, at Hollywood Reporter, we have uh, interns every semester and yeah. we all, a lot of the top editors give little intern talks every semester. And the one thing that I always tell them, because they always ask, like, how did you get to your position? Right. And I was like, look, if no one's going to pay you to do the thing that you want to do, do it anyway. Yeah, you got to do like, it. You know, you can create a blog for nothing. Absolutely. You know, create the clips oh, yeah. that you need. Yeah. I mean, you can make a movie with your phone now. Exactly. There's really no, <laughs> unfortunately, there's no excuse anymore. Exactly. So I know you want to talk about uh, baseball on TV, but you don't just mean, you know, broadcast of baseball. You mean fictionalized sort of scripted. Yeah. yeah. Let's get into it. Um, well, you know, I, I'm sure you know this, you know, yeah. the alone expert, um, uh-huh. but Amazon's developing I've um, heard that. a half-hour comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's with uh, the guy who did uh, Mozart in the Jungle, uh-huh. uh, who's actually gay, which is kind of cool. Yes. Um, uh, Dottie and, and Kit won't be a part of it, but they want to basically look at some of the themes from the movie and, mm-hmm. and, and take a little smarter look at that. And, and you know, to me, that that's super exciting. You know, that's like, awesome. CBS mm-hmm. tried to, to do the a League of Their Own as <laughs> right. a half-hour comedy with Betty yeah. Spaghetti and Marla Hooch. And uh, right. I think it was three episodes and yeah. then it was canceled. Right. Um, slightly but, different time. Slightly. <laughs> <laughs> Megan Cavanaugh is the greatest. So great. She's a wonderful, wonderful person, human being. She um, was there at Rockford, and I met her before at Bentonville because I went for the uh, reunion there also. She's just, like, such a wonderful person. I remember one of the, my first, before I got promoted at THR, I, I would go to different events just to get out there and get the experience. Yeah. And um, I covered the GLAAD Awards when she mm-hmm. was uh, she was there for a show called X's and O's. Oh, yeah, I and remember X's and O's. just flipped out. I'm like, yeah. it's Marlon. <laughs> yeah. It's Marlon. Yeah. Um, super cool. Super, yeah, she's the greatest. Cool. You know, but, yeah. uh, you know, look, I, you know, we're a year removed from Fox trying out pitch, yep. you know, about Ginny Baker, the first oh, yeah. woman to make it in big leagues. And MLB, Major League Baseball, supported the show. Right. And they produced it. You know, they, Fox had to pay them a ton of money and all yeah. this other stuff. And, you know, I think, you know, as crappy as that finale was with, with Ginny getting hurt and showing that women maybe can't make it in the big leagues. Yeah. I think that show comes out now in this landscape. It's yeah, a hit. absolutely. I also think that show, it was competing with postseason baseball. 
Yeah. Oh, the you way know, they scheduled it was terrible. It, it was, yeah, not great. I, I love the way it looked. I love the Fox part of it. I loved all of that. Um, but, yeah, you put that show out during spring training, completely different thing. Gives yeah. you something else to watch while you're watching baseball as opposed to having to choose between <laughs> postseason baseball and a television show about baseball. Yeah. Absolutely. And then, of course, you know, in the middle of the playoffs, they decide to promote Lethal Weapon and not promote the right. show that's actually about baseball. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Why would you do that? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah. Um, so what other, any other baseball TV spots you want to mention? Um, I think that's about it right now, yeah. uh, you know, but I think, you know, look, every year, you know, every couple of years, there's always some kind of, some, someone out there who de- wants to develop something about that, that, that's true to the league, you know, yeah. or a league, you know, two years ago, Dan Fogelman, who's the creator of, uh, this is us on NBC, mm-hmm. tried to do a show with, that had the NBA's involvement and the Golden State Warriors. Um, and ABC passed on it. And, yeah. You know, it's like, how do you, you know, you have a built-in It's built is right there. You know, it's yeah. right there. And, and as you're struggling to cut through the clutter with 500 scripted shows out yeah. there, well, gee, let's see. It market makes a lot NBA. of sense. Yeah. Market it to MLB, <laughs> yeah, know. you know. It's pretty wild. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I went to Dodger Stadium um, when they, with, with Fox, for a Fox event about pitch, and they screened the pilot, but it was after the game, and they barely promoted it, like, in advance of it, unless you knew it was happening. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Left. Yeah, and it, yeah, absolutely. They definitely uh, didn't give it all the help that it needed yeah. for sure. And it's it's it's, it's sad, you know. It, it a is. Good show. And that was a Fogelman show too. Yeah, it was a good show. Mm-hmm. Um, well, let's see. Any thoughts? What are you looking forward to this season? Um, Dodger starting pitching, being able to go past <laughs> three innings. Yeah. How about Stripling though? I mean, Chicken Strip's looking good. He's, yeah, he's been a pleasant surprise. Strip, yeah, Chicken Strip and uh, Kemp. It's like, what year is it? I know, you know, right? Yeah, it's pretty wild. Uh, Kemp is hitting like 347, I think. Yeah, last I checked, he was like number one, like leading the NL and batting or like number yep. two in all of uh, baseball. And Yeah, and Max even... Muncy. Muncy. <laughs> oh, what? My wife keeps telling me not to call him Max Munchy. Yeah, well, I mean, I like it. I mean. Number 13. Number 13. <laughs> Orlando Hudson's number. Yeah. Oh, dog. Um, but yeah, he's been a real pleasant surprise. I mean, you know, it, I think Bellinger's gotten hot again. Yep. Really, he's hitting you know, the baseball. For once, not striking out on <laughs> I his know. knees. They all need to stop trying to hit a home run every yeah. every at-bat. I think that's what's been Kemp's, you know, uh, renaissance or whatever. It's he's, he's just hitting for contact as yeah. opposed to always trying to hit a home run. Yeah, it's all it, about, like, launch angle now yeah. and exit velocity and... Which yeah. makes sense, but also, like, I, and I've said this on here before, but speaking specifically about the Dodgers, like, there was a game, it, uh, second week of the season, where they were in San Diego, and Oral Hershiser was like, they've struck out 45 times as a team. That's almost impossible to do, unless you're all going up there trying to hit a home run. And I was like, Oral, that's what they're doing. That's what they're doing, yeah. That's why it is. 45 strikeouts. Yeah. It's I mean, like, I look, I love Chris Taylor and the, and the season he put together yeah. last year. It was incredible. Yeah. But you watch his swing. It's like, it's, it's, He's a, not it's launching it all. one yeah. Absolutely. You know, and I think one of the things that, that, you know, to, to your point, that Kemp yeah. is starting to do, like, yeah, if you're, if you're O2, you got to shorten your swing. You got to hit you know, the ball. You got runners on base, shorten your swing, play yeah. small ball. That's one of the things that I, you know, that, that I don't think a lot of teams right now, especially oh, the no. Dodgers are doing. Anymore. No, not at all. Absolutely. I could not agree with you more. No one is just producing offense. They're like, I got to hit it out of here or I'm going to go sit down. I need, my just, con- I need my big contract. Yeah. I need my endorsements. and Which is just like, the, to me, the whole point of baseball is the small ball stuff. Yeah. It's not the home run. The home run is just like, you get that as a benefit every now and then. Yeah. But like when it's just home runs all the time, who gives a shit? Yeah, I mean, I don't. Yeah, I mean, everyone, you know, when, I'm, you know, when I meet new people, they're like, oh, what, what is it about baseball? It's so boring to watch. And I'm just like, well, 
it's to me, you know, and I say this as, a, as someone who's in the TV industry, but Major League Baseball is the best drama on TV. Oh, absolutely. You know, I like agree more. it's 90% mental, 10% ability mm-hmm. and 5% steroids, right? And, <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, and, you know, if you've got, you know, it's it just the idea of knowing what a pitcher is going to throw at 90 miles an hour and having, you know, two, two seconds to, to adjust yeah. to the, if he's going to throw you a curve or right. a fastball or something else off speed and, you know... First and second, nobody out. You hit and run. First and third, do you right. do you give up the do you give up the base? You know, there's, you know, that's what I love about the game. Is Absolutely, that anything can happen at any time. And those World Series games, I'd never been to a World Series before, and I went to one, six and seven, um, yeah, and a bunch of other playoff games. And this was that was like I've never seen some. It was just oh incredible. yeah, that was that was a nuts series. I didn't get I didn't go to any the year before that. I went to every level of the playoffs, and that was my first time too. Just going like, holy shit! <laughs> I have cried. I have cried. Actually, cried at two baseball games in my life. Yeah. And they were both last season. One, I was in the building for JT Justin oh, Turner's walk off home run. Yeah. We were sitting in a in a suite with a friend, and the stadium was physically shaking. I mean, I can't even imagine. Yeah, and then. The second time was uh, Game 7. Yep. Uh, you know, yep. World Series MVP, you Darvish. Yep. Oh, yeah. Oh. I just, my stomach. I just Good made my own stomach. Good thing you went to the Cubs. Time. Yeah. No, absolutely. And I, I heard they're super happy to have him, right? Which is weird. It makes no sense yeah. to me. I mean, he, I mean, he's on the DL again. I mean, so. he trains the entire offseason with Clayton Kershaw and yeah. then signs elsewhere. Right. I have a lot of thoughts and feelings about that. Yeah, I have a lot of thoughts and feelings about that guy, too. Um, that... World Series last year because I'm like an adopted Dodger fan, um, so I don't claim to be some like died in the wool Dodger fan or anything like that. But um, that was the fourth time I've watched a team that I cared a lot about lose a World Series in my lifetime. My wife had to drag me out of the out of Game Seven. She's like, "You don't yeah. need to watch them celebrate." Yeah, I turned it right off. Yeah. I couldn't watch that at all. I I was I spent the offseason very very upset, and then we went it to was the difficult. Uh, yeah, it was difficult. And then we went to the uh, you know the Dodger Museum that oh, they yeah. do in the off season. Mm-hmm. Super fun. But they actually like had a U Darvish World Series jersey as part really? of the exhibit. And I'm just like, how could of you? all the jerseys, like I mean among other things. But it's like, yeah, you know, come on. And it was like t- days after he signed with with Chicago, and right. it's still in there, and it's still up. Like and when you walk in on the top deck, it's still there. I'm like, just get, just out get of rid here. of it. It's Walker Bueller's number now. Get yes. that out of there. It's not even somebody's got the number. You can't even. Have it. I have so much love in my heart for Walker Bueller. <laughs> he so looks much just love. like a young Oral Hershiser. It's weird. That's great. I know. It's the weird how much they uncanny. look alike. It's very uncanny. Yeah. And then just what they do at the stadium when when, when he gets a strikeout. That it's great. It's, I mean, it's just it's just wonderful. And this has been such a wonderful conversation with you. Thanks so much for being on the podcast. That's it. Let's keep talking. Yeah. This is great. <laughs> I think that's pretty much it. I just want to talk baseball. Uh, This has been so much fun. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. This was great. Let's do it again. Let's go to a game. Yeah, let's do it. Absolutely. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, If you haven't already, please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Please also follow Forever Dog Network on Twitter and follow me on Twitter at Rhea Butcher. Send your questions to at Three Swings Pod with hashtag Rosenbag for next week. I'd love to get your questions and talk even more about that. Um, and of course, if you liked it, you liked it. Forever Dog. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. 
For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook.